past, hosted by the legend himself, or as I refer to him, the legend in his own mind, Rav Holly. Hey guys, welcome to the American Now Bat Podcast. I am your host, Rav Holly. Thanks for joining me here Thursday evening at 8 p.m. October 19th, 2023. Uh, first, I will say this is a podcast that I actually didn't, uh, I didn't have on my radar until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when um, Hamas terrorists decided to uh, paraglide into Israel and uh, go on a uh, murdering spree, and uh, it's just been a, uh, it's just been, we've all seen the atrocities, we've all, we've all seen what's going on, um, but with that being said, uh, I've caught a lot of flack from the conservative community just for the simple fact that uh, I don't fall into the demographic of uh, conservatives just that just immediately, uh, you know, gives Israel a green pass to, you know, basically level Gaza. And uh, like I said, I've gotten a lot of criticism, even from some uh, pretty good sized uh, conservative influencers that never really gave me the time of day, but they've uh, decided to give me the time of day to tell me what they think about me, which is cool. I don't mind that at all. The main thing for me is uh, that, you know, I just stay true to my truth and stay true to myself and uh, what I believe in. So I really didn't want to do this podcast, but I just felt like, uh, you know, I'm posting all this stuff on uh, social media and people see it and they don't know, you know, exactly where I stand. They just see me posting this stuff and they're like confused by it because I didn't fall in line with all the, you know, all the other Trump supporters or all the other conservatives. And I've said in my stories and I've said on IG many times that I am really not your standard conservative. Uh, as a matter of fact, I used to be pretty left-leaning, considered myself pretty left-leaning, even though I was from Texas. I didn't always fit in that demographic because I was way more liberal than I was conservative on a lot of issues. Um... I didn't always uh, see eye to eye with my family, who is very conservative, but, you know, it's the old adage, as you get older, the more conservative conservative you get, and I actually thoroughly, I actually do believe there's some, I believe there's something to that, because I've definitely gotten more conservative as as I've gotten older, even though I do still have a lot, a lot of left-leaning uh, beliefs or ideologies. It's just the left has moved so far left that they just kind of left me right, is the way I explain it. Um, it kind of all came to fruition, you know, like when, even when like a uh, Caitlyn Jenner, AKA old Bruce Jenner, if we're going to dead name him, um, used to be, you know, the Bruce Jenner. And then he went through, you know, I remember seeing on TMZ, shaving his Adam apple. And I really didn't believe it. Uh, when they started talking about, he was going to be having a, he was in the process of having a sex change and coming out as transgender. I really didn't believe it. And then it actually happened. Uh, the first article, like I said, I saw was uh, TMZ reporting that he had had his Adam Adam's apple shaved down, and they showed pictures of him out and about. And I was like, "Whoa, maybe there's actually something to this." And then he did come out, and uh, you know, came out as Caitlyn Jenner and won like an a woman. <laughs> as soon as he came out, he won like a Woman of the Year award, which was ludicrous. And I was like, "What is that?" Um, Given a dude, uh, somebody who's a biological guy that just decided he needed to come out at 60-something years old and be transgender, 
to be true to himself, which I don't have a problem with that. I mean, everybody should stay true to themselves. If that's who you are, then that's fine. Um, but when it went south for me was when we started having a, uh, Joe Rogan has talked about this a lot. There was a mixed martial arts artist. I'm not even going to mention their name, but somebody that had been a biological male for several years decided to transition into a female and then started competing in women's MMA and literally broke two women's orbital bones in their face. So, you know, that's an injury that has actually happened in MMA before and even in women's MMA, but it's not something that one fighter's done twice. So that was uh, the, the first big red flag for me of where things were going, and then it just snowballed from there. So like a lot of uh, people that were kind of centrist who, you know, from, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of celebrities, you know, as well, you know, like Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan, is he moved to Austin, Texas, and now he's considered by a lot of progressive leftists as a crazy right winger or, you know, a right wing Nazi or whatever, even though he supported Bernie Sanders in the election, had Bernie Sanders on his podcast literally has turned down Trump numerous times, which he has admitted on his podcast. Trump's wanted to come on and he's literally turned them down. So the simple fact that uh, the left labels Joe Rogan as a crazy uh, right wing conspiracy nut is pretty telling in itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but let's get on to uh, what this podcast is actually about. I'm just kind of rambling on. And I need to focus and get through uh, why I'm actually doing this podcast, which is in regards to what has happened in Israel and uh, Palestine. And I think a lot of Americans, I don't think I know a lot of Americans do not have not kept up with this, really do not know what's going on over there. And you can't fault them for that. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I mean, we're all Americans. We're just kind of like in our own little bubble. We do our own little thing. We don't always pay attention to what's going on in the world. So with that being said, I'm not one of those. I try to keep up with everything. Um, sometimes I long for when I was in my early 20s and I really didn't care about politics or anything to really to do with politics. I just kind of I just kind of generalized it all to being all just corrupt and I really didn't understand it and I really didn't give a about it. I was just going about my life doing my thing and you know, I'm too young. I felt like I was too young. What could I do kind of thing. I, I long for those days uh, because I've gotten way too involved in it and um, when you when you really pay attention to it on social media, it can literally come up to a point where I feel like it somewhat consumes you, I guess. Um, and I kind of feel like that's where I am now. It's kind of kind of consumed me in many areas. Um, and that's not healthy. It's just really not healthy. And uh, I've tried to break away from it, from everything, you know, literally everything that you could think about. I'm always on the... What's the word I want to use? I'm always on the the get canceled side of it. You know what I mean? If it doesn't matter what it is, I'm always on the side that's uh, controversial. I 
I'm always on the side that's controversial and um, that has really been detrimental to my career. I'll be the first one to admit that uh, as a photographer working in and around Southern California and Los Angeles and Hollywood, it doesn't do you any favors career wise if you uh, don't fall in line with the narrative. But for myself, you know, I was born and raised in Texas. My dad is a farrier, horse trainer. And uh, it's just in my blood, even though my dad, my stepdad is uh, like my dad. He's raised me since I was three. But still, I'm just like very uh, headstrong when it comes to my beliefs. And if I have a belief, I'm going to try to do my best to educate myself on it. So I take that. If I take that stand, I feel like... Uh, I'm not ignorant to the the facts of it. So if we're going to get into the whole Israel-Palestine thing, and I see like, uh, you know, I've seen dudes like, you know, good old boys from the South or Texas or Louisiana or down there, you know, they're, they're, they're putting up memes about uh, Hamas. They effed around and now here comes all these American jets are getting ready to find out, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, that's very uh, off-putting to me to the for the simple fact like uh you know where were you all of these years you know year after year after year as uh, the IDF soldiers as Israeli soldiers has been killing women children old ladies uh little kids you know people that are uh people that are just um people that are peaceful protesters on their own side of the fence but because they're too close to the fence uh, they get too close to the fence uh, which is a, a no-go zone for Israelis they tell them they can't get within 300 feet of the fence or something like that they become target practice and snipers IDF snipers these soldiers these Israeli soldiers literally shoot and kill these kids and do not they don't only kill kids they target press and journalists. They tar they target uh, paramedics, which is all war crimes. That's all war crimes. You are not allowed to, one, you're not allowed to target press. You're not allowed to target people in the press. If they're marked press, you're not allowed to shoot them and kill them or just shoot them. But Israel does it, has done it. There's several several journalists that's died because of the fact that Israel... They do all of these war crimes, but what they do better is because they've infiltrated the entire United States media. What they do better is um, literally wiping everything clean from what they do. They, you know, uh, like even say this video right here, if I post it on YouTube, if it doesn't shine a beautiful, beautiful uh, light of little angels in Israel, you know, they'll they'll take it down, they'll suppress it, or they will just literally uh, give you a community guideline strike. I posted a video of uh, somebody talking about this from back in the 90s, a day after 9-11. He's a very controversial figure. And one reason they canceled him is because he was very outspoken about Israel back around 2000, around the time that 9-11 uh, happened. He was... Uh, making a lot of videos that were very critical of Israel. And it's such a coinkodink that that person um, 
which I'm speaking of is the notorious Alex Jones, which I don't even know if I should use his name because their AI is going to scrub my video. And when they mention his name, that could be one reason they suppress this video is because I'm talking about him and he's been uh, basically canceled. So, uh, but one reason I feel like he was canceled and they really went after him is because he was one of the voices that was very critical at one time of Israel. And there are videos out there that you can find of him talking about that, talking about videos that he had of IDF soldiers, uh, you know, some little kid, some little 10 year old kid throwing a rock at an IDF tank and they shoot him in the testicles from a half a mile away. There is literally a video that I do have of Alex talking about this stuff. I posted it on my TikTok and literally within five minutes got a community guideline strike. So a way, uh, one of the ways a lot of this happens is if you don't, if everything that you say is not in a positive light about Israel, uh, the people that are Zionist Jews in this country will immediately start, um, they will start mass reporting your video. So once whatever platform it is gets so many reports about your video, they will literally, uh, you know, give you a community guideline strike and delete it or whatever. Um, I haven't had a lot of that happen on Instagram of them actually deleting my videos. I don't think that's happened, which is mind boggling. But what they have done is for about a week right after the invasion, uh, there was this Bible verse because I would always see evangel evangelical Christians here in the United States talking about, oh, it's that's God's, uh, you know, that's God's right. Uh, that's God's chosen people. And, you know, whatever they do in that land, it's theirs. You know what I mean? So whatever they do, if they want to treat the Palestinians like dogs, you know, or beasts, then that's OK. It's not a big deal because, you know, that's what it says in the Bible. That's the only way we can come to, you know, the scripture says you can come to to the end of uh, Jesus returning and all and all of that stuff. So they just give Israel a pass because they're in and they're Christians. And uh, that's what it says in their good book. So anyway, um, they just <clears throat> turned a blind eye to anything that Israel does and they support anything Israel does because of that fact. And. Um, there's so many things out there that uh, have gotten scrubbed from the internet that it's pretty mind-boggling. Now, if you dig deep, you can find this stuff, but it's not easy to find. Um, but you can find it. But you won't find anything that's not produced by, like, some Middle Eastern thing, like Al Jazeera or something like that. Uh, but like most stuff, it immediate, it immediately, immediately gets scrubbed from the internet. A perfect example of this is a couple of months ago, there was a bunch of videos that started hitting YouTube about Christians, American Christians that, you know, the good old, the good old Southern evangel evangelistas, what do they call them? Envel em uh, evangelicals. I can't even, I said it earlier. Um, the the southern you know the southern christians or the american christians who want to travel to israel and and go through all of that thing and um this has been happening for years i remember seeing these videos back around 2005 2006 of um israelis there was israeli jews uh, attacking american christians and assaulting them spitting on them cussing at them that kind of thing 
And it's funny to me, like, uh, as fast as those videos get uploaded to YouTube, they will get deleted. Now, when the whole thing was going on a while back, uh, like a couple of years ago, where you were seeing all of these Asian people being attacked by black people, those videos, are, you can still find those videos. So it's just, uh, it's very telling how when something happens uh, that doesn't show Israel in a, in a really, uh, you know, prestigious light like they're all little angels like they do no wrong that stuff just all it just magically disappears from the internet unless you really go looking for it which i really go looking for it because i keep up with this stuff and the first time that this happened the very very first time that i became aware of it i should i should backtrack and i'm going to tell you guys a story and with this story you can't judge everybody you literally can't judge everybody in this in this regards because of what happened to me I understand that and I'm not trying to do that but what did happen to me put me on a path of discovery it put me on a path of discovery because I didn't understand it at that time and uh, I'm very inquisitive and if there's something I don't know I want to figure it out if that makes sense so this happened when I was very young. I was probably about 22, 23 years old, somewhere in there. It was probably about 19, I want to say 1993, 94, because I was working in the hotel business in 95 as a building engineer or a building maintenance guy for Embassy Suites Love Field. So it was before that. I was working at this apartment complex uh, in Mesquite, Texas, which is suburb, it's a suburb of Dallas, Texas. Um, it used to be a pretty nice little redneck suburb, just kind of country by the Mesquite Rodeo, and now evidently it's went to hell in a handbasket. But back in these days, it was actually pretty nice. And uh, I worked at an apartment complex called, I think it was called Wood Meadow Apartments, I'm pretty sure, something to that. Wood Meadow Apartments, I'm pretty sure it was 635 it was like, uh, for those of you that are familiar with Dallas, it was like 635 and Garland Avenue, before Garland Road, uh, right in that big long stretch of apartments that were right off 635. I can't remember what the exit was. But anyway, it was a bunch of one-bedroom apartments. It was only one-bedrooms, and there was only maybe, I want to say there was a couple of hundred apartments but they were all one bedrooms so mostly it was single people or small families like young younger families you know like a, with small like one or two small kids that lived in the apartments but mostly it was singles because they were one bedrooms and uh i worked there with my stepsister who i think she's the one that actually got me the job there and a manager that I'd worked with before, whose name was Peggy, and she was a she was a character. She'd been like a truck driver for years, so you can imagine she was a character. But um, oh, the owner of the property ended up being a gentleman named Ari Sussman. I'll put his name out there. I don't give up. He was an older gentleman. I have no idea. He's probably not even alive anymore. But his name was Ari Sussman, and he was a developer who built these apartment complexes. And evidently, I mean, this is years ago, so I can't remember this absolute details, but he had built some complexes that I guess the uh, uh, the the people that were going to buy, the buyers had defaulted on. So he basically just, as the developer, just kept them. And so this was one of those complexes. And... I grew up in West Texas, like my dad was a farrier, rancher kind of thing. So uh, 
uh, even talking about people that were Jewish or of that background was not something that I was really familiar with. I didn't really know anything about it. I remember like in elementary school, like them talking about the Holocaust and we being taught about all about the Holocaust and, uh, you know, Germany and that kind of thing. And I just remember thinking, wow, that's so weird. Like, why would they even do that? That's just so weird that somebody would even do that to another race of people. I just didn't get it. But I didn't personally really know anybody that was Jewish. I do remember like in one class where the teacher said, hey, is there anybody in the class that's Jewish? And I think like one of the kids raised their hand and then that made everybody inquisitive because we wanted to ask him about Hanukkah and, you know, do you not get any presents? And, you know, as we were like seven or eight years old, so that was our biggest concern. Like, oh my gosh, you don't get like Christmas presents. So that was like, uh, that was our biggest takeaway from learning that stuff. Uh, but, you know, and then they touched on a little bit of the Holocaust and, and that kind of thing. So, but really I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really, I didn't, I'm sure I knew people that were Jewish, but I didn't know they were Jewish. Uh, I remember the teacher saying something about if you knew anybody that was a Steen, uh, and I knew my dad had a really good friend, his last name was Goldstein. So I remember thinking, asked my dad, like, hey, are they Jewish? And my dad's like, I don't know, son, they might be, uh, you know, they are Goldsteins. So I, I don't know, I don't know if they were Jewish or not. But anyway, uh, they were like country people like we were, so I doubt. I, I don't know if they were or not, but anyway, um, I was working at this apartment complex and like I said, the gentleman's name that owned it was named Ori Sus Sussman and he was a little older man. He was a little tiny little man and he just seemed so sweet and it was funny because he had like a, he had like a new Jaguar at that time and I had like an old 68 Chevy pickup, you know, I was pretty much, uh. You know, I was, I was um, kind of a hippie kid, you know, back the, back then, even though I was like 22, 23 years old. I had like an old 68 Chevy pickup and, you know, I wore high top tennis shoes with my jeans tucked into the tongue and that kind of thing. And so uh, this gentleman, Ari Sussman, that owned the apartment complex, he had like this uh, emerald green Jaguar. Um which it was actually a beautiful shade of green. It wasn't like a dark green, but it was just, just this really pretty paint job on this Jaguar. And I didn't know anything about like foreign cars or Jaguars, but I just remember like looking at that car and the, the white kind of had like a really light white creamish interior and thinking to myself like, man, that car really looks expensive and it really looks like money. I remember just kind of looking inside the windows and stuff and, uh, you know, anytime I saw Ari on, in the apartment complex or anything, uh, or I passed him, he just seemed like such a sweet little guy, sweet little old man. And when I got the job and I met him, I'm like, man, he's so such a nice guy. I'm going to really, really do try to do a really good job for this guy. I'll go above and beyond to try to make him happy uh, being his maintenance guy for his apartment complex. And I was the only maintenance guy on this apartment complex. I did everything. I fixed the air conditioners that were on the roofs. It was a three-story apartment complex, so I'd get a ladder, go up on the roofs, work on the air conditioners. I fixed the air conditioners. I got the apartments ready. If somebody moved out, I did all the make-readies. I would paint them, fix the toilets, fix the sinks, anything that anything pretty much they needed. Every now and then, I would subcontract some stuff out, but anytime I did that, it was frowned upon. So, because you're spending added added money that you're supposed to do the job. So anyway, I um. 
I was working at the apartment complex and I had been a maintenance supervisor at other property complexes or I had maintenance got other property, other properties before this one, larger, lot, much larger properties, big family properties with hundreds of units. So this was a little property and it was pretty easy for me to handle by myself. But there was things when I would, I would go in and take over a property as the head maintenance guy, because I order all the maintenance stuff. It's up to me to order all the, you know, air conditioning filters, paint, you name it. Uh, and one thing that I ordered was door stops. And I would always look at door stops, which are the little stops that go behind your door. So when you open the door, it hits that little gold door stop and it doesn't, the doorknob doesn't poke a hole in your wall. Those things are very cheap. Uh, but when you do a make ready, one thing you do is you replace all the door stops. Even if they're discolored, you just take the old one off and put a new one on because they're very, they're relatively very cheap. But I would go to these co apartment complexes and there was a place in Dallas called Sentry Supply, which was like the number one supplier, but they were kind of expensive. And then there was another supplier that had opened up called Maintenance Warehouse, which kind of was more along the lines of selling things in bulk. If you bought things in bulk, you could get it cheaper. Uh, so Sentry Supply, you might order like door, door stops individually or, or five of them or maybe 10 or 15 or 20 of them or 25 of them. So a lot of, uh, I did that for a long time until Maintenance Warehouse come online. And then I got where I would just order them in bulk, order a thousand of them. And instead of paying like $1.35 a door stop, I would get a thousand of them for 33 cents a piece, which in the long run is saving money. And you've always got door stops. You're not trying to get an apartment ready and go, oh gosh, I ran out of door stops because you have plenty of them. You just order them, you know, every six months or so instead of having to order them like every week or every two weeks. It's just, it's just dumb to work that way. So when I took over the maintenance, I immediately started ordering door stops and some other things in bulk. And I remember Peggy, the manager, called me one day and they called me to the office. Back in those days, we didn't have radios. We just had pagers. I had a beeper I had to wear. So I got a beeper that's like, it said the code on it was come to the office. We had different codes. If you got a code like 044, that meant come to the office. So I go to the office and Peggy, the manager, I look at my sister like, what's up? You know, it was weird to get called to the office, like being called to the principal's office. But Peggy, I go in her office and she's like, hey, Mr. Sussman wants to see you for some reason. What'd you do? I was like, I don't know. That's that was really weird, you know what I mean? And it was weird because on the apartment complex, he was he was so cheap, I guess, that he didn't have like a real office somewhere in an office building. He took one of the apartment one of the apartments in the complex and turned that into his office. So but we very seldom seen him, or even if we did see him, you would just see his Jaguar and you would know he was at the office. But because he was more focused on like building properties and development and stuff like that, he didn't have a whole lot of interaction with us. So for him to call and say he needed to see me was very weird because Peggy was the manager. And if he had a problem with me, he would usually relay it to her. And then she would, you know, say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. So for me to get a call to Mr. Sussman's office was pretty weird. But anyway, so I go traipsing across the complex towards his office. And he had a young secretary um, that was pretty pretty attractive. I remember so I, I was, I was kind of excited because I was like, I was married at the time. But I was like, oh, I get to see the pretty secretary. 
So I go up and it was up the stairs and I, I go up the stairs and it's an apartment complex, right? But the door is open and it has like a screen storm door. And so I opened the storm door and I kind of moved in and I expected to see, I was looking forward to seeing the secretary right there because they, they did have like a little, uh, even though it was an apartment, there was like a, an entrance, you know, with a, with like a secretary's desk. And she sat out in this little, and it was like the living room, but it was like the, the, the entrance way to Mr. Sussman's office. And the one bedroom in the back was his actual office, but they had it set up like a real office, if that makes sense. And so I, I walk in and this, his young secretary is not at her desk. Um, so I walk in and I stand there for a second and I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, maybe I should come back. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm already here. I should probably see what he's, what the deal is. And, um, to his office, which you got to realize this is a one bedroom apartment, but his office, the door is open. It's a jar, right? And I can hear voices. So I listen for a second and I don't know why I started eavesdropping, but I step up to the secretary or receptionist desk, uh, to wait. And I notice I can kind of overhear the conversation. And once I started focusing on the conversation, I realized I could really hear the conversation. And it's Mr. Sussman talking to his young, pretty secretary. And in that time, I hear him saying something to the effect of whatever her name was. I don't remember what her name was. She had like a Jewish name. But anyway, he says like, let's just say her name was Samantha. He says, uh, Samantha, they are like, they are going. They're going like beast. You have to teach them. They're like a dog. You have to take them and you have to train them. You have to teach them. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what is he talking about? I never even heard that word. I had no idea what that word was. Never heard it. Didn't know what it was. And uh, didn't know what he was talking about, really. And uh, and then she said something about, yeah, he's so nice, though. Be not be nice. Don't be too mean to him or something like that. And when she said that, because every time that we passed each other in the apartment complex or I would see her pull up to his office and I'd be walking through the complex like working or something, she would smile at me and I would smile at her and we would just like friendly nod. You know what I mean? And we had we had changed a few little pleasantries and stuff like that. Uh, but like I said, I was married, so it was nothing like that. But it was just us being nice to one another. And so I hear her and it suddenly dawns on me that she's taking up for me. She's saying, hey, you know, don't be too hard on him. Like, be nice. Don't be mean. Uh, he's such a nice guy. He really, he's really nice. Uh, I can tell he's really nice. He's got a genuine heart. And Mr. Sussman is saying, it doesn't matter about their heart. That doesn't matter. The guy, you have to train them, Samantha. Samantha, listen to me. Look at me. You have to train them. They're going like beast. If you don't train them, they just, and I, and it was, it was just, it commenced. And within like 30 seconds to a minute after the initial conversation, I, I realized that they were winding down the conversation. So I ran and sat down. There was a, like a little seating. There was a little couple of chairs for seating, which was away from the, the reception desk. So I ran and sat down because I didn't want them to realize that I was listening to their conversation. So when I heard the conversation winding down, I ran and sat down and I was still sitting there thinking to myself, like, are they talking, are they actually talking about me? I really do believe 
I really do believe they're talking about me. But what what did I do? Like what what I don't really understand like what exactly it is I did. And um so the secretary comes out, Samantha, we're calling her Samantha. Samantha comes out and she's like, Hey, Rav, like uh Mr. Sussman is ready for you. Come on, you can come on in. Uh and she kind of looked at me like, Oh, Mm-hmm. everything works out for you and I was like what did I do I'm thinking to myself and the other thing I was thinking to myself because I had bulk ordered doorstops and stuff for Mr. Sussman and I got him for 33 cents a piece I literally thought like he was gonna like he would see me and like high five me and be like oh my gosh thank you so much uh, I don't know how you got those doorstops stop so cheap. I'm paying like I was paying like a dollar seventy five a doorstop, so it's amazing that you can get them like on bulk like that. Wish we'd have done that earlier. That's what I had in my brain. That's not what happened. Anyway, I go in the office, uh, and Mr. Sussman goes, uh, "Go ahead and close the door." And so I'd never heard him like this because he was a very very little weak soft-spoken man he was he was tiny he's like maybe five five little tiny guy and uh i remember he had a little yarmulke thing on his head and uh i hadn't seen that i hadn't seen him wearing that before either so i was a little confused about that but i didn't think any too much of it so anyway i shut the door and then as soon as i shut the door he just commences into tearing into me and uh he's telling me like he pulls out he has like an invoice he has the invoice. So he's like shaking the invoice. You have to explain this to me. Are you stealing from me? Are you trying to steal from me? What are you doing? You have to. I want you to. He puts it on the desk. He starts. I want you to explain this to me right now. Explain it to me. And I was like, what the f- going on here? I was like, oh, yeah, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to tell Peggy, but, you know, I got busy and I I didn't think too much about it. But, yeah, I figured you would, you know, I figured we would save some money and, you know, start ordering some things in bulk through uh, Maintenance Warehouse. I went ahead and set up an account with Maintenance Warehouse so we can get some things cheaper, you know, the things that we always order in bulk. And then he doesn't even literally comprehend what i'm saying he immediately goes back to are you stealing from me are you trying to steal from me are you working at another apartment complex i'm like what are you talking about i didn't say that and i'm like my mind is just like i don't even know what's going on i'm just kind of beside myself and uh he finally goes he leans into the desk and he goes why you explain to me why you would order a thousand door stops. The only apartments we have here are one-bedroom apartments. There's no reason to be ordering a thousand door stops unless you're buying them and selling them to one of your friends. What? What are? I'm like, no. I bought them for. I bought them for this apartment complex. So we keep running out. I've had apartments where the entire apartment is ready to go and ready to be moved into but we got to put it on hold and push the move-in date for the people because there's no doorstops we've run out of doorstops because every we're ordering doorstops every week when they're 33 cents a piece for maintenance warehouse and we're ordering them like 25 at a time and each apartment takes like 8 to 12 doorstops it doesn't even make sense 
Anyway, that's not what he wanted to hear. And he didn't like that. Um, he really didn't like the fact that um, I started trying to explain in a logical way why I had ordered these doorstops. So he looked at me and he goes, I don't want, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I, he goes, I still think there's more to this story than you're telling me, but maybe not. But don't you ever, ever, ever order anything more than 25 or 30 without getting personal approval for me, from me. I was like, well, all right, yeah, no problem. And I'm thinking, well, that sucks because I just set up this uh, account with Maintenance Warehouse and you have to order bulk stuff. So there goes that account. But I was like, yeah, not a problem, sir. Not a problem, Mr. Sussman. If that's what you want to do, then that's exactly the way I'll do it. Sure, apartment complex. I have no problem with that. I just uh, was trying to, I was looking at some ways to try to save some money is all I was doing and trying to make things more efficient. So my apologies uh, if that's not the way if that's not the way you want to do it, my fault entirely. But I was, I was fuming, literally. <clears throat> I was very young and had a very bad temper back in those days. Uh, I still have a bad temper. I've learned to control it and let things roll off my back a lot easier. But um, if I hadn't had a wife and a child at that time, there's a good possibility I would have beat him into another dimension. You don't talk to people like that, the way he talked to me. And he literally talked to me like I was a dog, is the way he was, uh, you know, the way he was talking to me. And uh, even my own father, when he disciplined me, had never talked to me like that old man talked to me. And uh, he's very lucky that I didn't, like, rearrange his face and, and knee him in the face and literally... Uh, slam his head into the desk until he lost consciousness consciousness because it makes me angry just thinking about it i don't know if you can i don't i don't know if you guys can tell it makes me uh it gets me uh fired up thinking about it but uh, you know beating up an old man there's no uh you know there's no real gratitude or you know i don't know how gratifying that would have been uh because he was a little tiny old man it just amazed me that uh he had the gonads to talk to somebody like that. And it, and I realized that the reason he had that is because he talked to everybody like that, that probably wasn't Jewish at some point because he thought we were all just more, he thought we were beasts, thought we were dogs. He had to train us. Right. So anyway, I know I'm going on and on with this story. So anyway, I remember leaving there and I was kind of, uh, once I left, I was kind of like, kind of crushed me you know what I mean because I had this uh I had this uh picture in my head about this guy and how sweet he was and what a nice little guy he was and that just went right out the window and then I started thinking to myself like the conversation that I overheard like goy goyim goy well goy what is that and I remember I I I could be mistaken. I may be dreaming this up, but it seems like I went to the office or like later on, I like saw my sister who's older than I am. My stepsister, she's probably about five years older than I am, four or five years older than I am. 
I can't remember exactly how much older she is than I am. When I was like 13, she was like 18, 17 or 18. So yeah, four or five years older than I am. And I saw her and I was like, hey, do you, let me ask you something. She's like, yeah, what? I'm like, do you know what goy means? She's like, what? I'm like, goy, goy, is that a word? And she goes, I've never heard it. I'm like, I haven't either, but somebody call me that. She goes, who called you that? I, like, I don't want to say. Just somebody, I heard somebody call, I overheard a conversation, and I think they were calling me a goy. I don't know what a goy is. So this was before, this was before the internet. So you couldn't just look stuff up on the internet because this was before the internet. So I remember going and I think I even looked in a dictionary or something and didn't really find what I was looking for. I don't even know if the word was in the dictionary. So I just remember being like kind of bum fuzzled by that word. And time, some every now and then I would meet somebody that was kind of like an intellectual person that was a lot older than I was, maybe 30s or 40s. And I would literally ask them like, hey, man, I have a, I have a question for you. And they'd be like, yeah, shoot. Uh, you're pretty smart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I graduated from so-and-so, so-and-so school with a BA in this and a bachelor's in this and a master's in this. Oh, great. Do you know what the, have you ever heard this word goy? And they'd be like, goy, spell it. I'm like, I think it's like joy. I think it's like, except with a G, like instead of J-O-Y, I think it's G-O-Y. And they'd be like, no, I don't think I've, doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't sound familiar. Hmm. So crazy. Cause I could have swore I heard somebody like calling me that one time and I've been trying to figure out what it is. Nope. You got me. I don't know. Fast forward to about 1997, 96, 97 was when I got access to the internet. This was right before American online blew up. I got, um, there was a couple of uh, there was a couple of ISPs and enough internet service providers. One was called CompuServe, and one was called Prodigy. And a lot of people had signed up with CompuServe, but the people that were more like techie geeks signed up with Prodigy. So I signed up with Prodigy, and didn't have it that long until I switched to American Online because everybody switched to American Online. But I remember the very first thing I did when I got um, internet access was. I started looking up that word and lo and behold, when I, I think it was like mama was the, uh, search engine at that time for prodigy. I don't even think it was like uh, Yahoo yet. I think it was this search engine called mama. It wasn't even really a search engine. It was like a directory. And a lot of things were BBSs back then bulletin board systems. So you would literally dial into a bulletin board system. So I put in and maybe it, was a, maybe it was a bulletin board system, I don't remember, but I put in the word GOI, and then it literally, I, just like uh, the new AI stuff that's happening nowadays, when you put something into AI and you get this crazy picture and you're just blown away. So I put in the word GOI, and sure enough, man, I got page, I got a page of like stuff talking about GOI. I didn't get a definition per se, but I got like stuff you know, it gave me all these articles and all this stuff talking about Goy. The craziest thing about it was all of this stuff that came back in my search was all neo-Nazi BS stuff that you can't even find on the internet these days. I got like an entire two or three pages. I think it was three pages 
page after page after page of these white supremacist websites, these crazy neo-Nazi websites. So when it very first happened, I was like, oh, well, this is the wrong, this is the wrong thing. Uh, this is weird. But it would highlight the word goy in these what in these articles. So I'm like, what in the world? So lo and behold, I got out of them at first and tried it again. And sure enough, again, put the word in goy, poom, all the same sites pop back up with a little bit of variation, but still all the same neo-Nazi, big Hitler, uh, swastikas, blinking back in those days. You had blinking um, gifts or stuff and and uh, so they came up again. So this time I opened up a couple of articles and delved in. And sure enough, there's the word goy and then goyim, G-O-Y-I-U-M or something like that. G-O-Y-I-M, which is pronounced goyim, which is both the same. So basically it's any non-Jew is what it, the definition is, is a non-Jew. And the, the fact is, is... Not every, I mean, it's like anybody else. There's people that say the N word. There's people that call, uh, you know, white people, white trash. You know, there's people that call Hispanic people, you know, that cross the river. They call them a certain, you know, where their back is wet kind of thing. So there's derogatory terms for all of us. And there's racists that call all of us different names. But the fact of the matter with this is the, the simple fact that there's this belief in this certain sect of people that they believe that we're, we're disgusting, that we're like beasts, that we're like dogs. And that really didn't set well with me. And uh, it really, as I was reading this neo-Nazi stuff, like I could see like how much they hated the, the, the Jews and that they were and i could see that their hatred a lot of it came from that they understood that the, that there's a certain percentage of jews that think we're all dogs or beasts so that was very eye opening to say the least and i finally was somewhat relieved because i got my definition and uh i started paying a lot more attention like if i found out somebody was jewish I'd be like, hmm, 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 hmm. Do you think I'm a dog? Do you think I'm a beast? Do you think I'm disgusting? And even when they were my friends, I'd be like thinking to myself like, huh, I wonder if they're raised. I wonder all if all of them are raised to believe this. And what I have come, my conclusion today is what I have come to conclude is that they're probably not all raised like this. You have your, what, secular, I guess, is your, your Jews that are non-religious. And, you know, they just believe people as people like everybody else. But then you do have a certain demographic of them that do absolutely do believe it. And it was funny because I was on YouTube last night, stumbled on a YouTube video where a Jewish guy who was born, born in the United States, born in the United States, but he moved to Israel as a child and he literally spits it out there because they keep it very secretive. They, this is a thing that's between Jews and they call us goy between themselves, but they don't, they, they try to keep it secretive, but it's, it's leaked out, you know, over time because of stuff like this video. And the thing about it is, is once they're caught in this, they will literally just lie. 
they will say like, oh, goi means, uh, you know, they have this uh, way of explaining it away. Oh, it just means like uh, you're just a non-Jewish person. It, you know, doesn't, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It just means you're not a Jew. You know, that's kind of the way they, they, uh, they put it. But I uh, had a girl one time, the Jewish girl, and uh, I asked her, I said like, uh, hey, could you tell me something? And she's like, yeah, sure. I said, it's about, just about Jew, Jews, Jews. And she's like, uh-oh. She's like, what? I said, well, I said, um, I had to have a Jewish person one time call me a goy or goyim. I think it's goyim. And she goes, really? What did you do? I said, I bought some doorstops that uh, was too expensive. I get, or I bought doorstops in bulk. And he thought I was trying to steal from him. And she's like, oh. And I was like, so is that like a... What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? Did you have you heard that? She goes, Yeah, I've heard it. And I go, Well, what does exactly does it mean? Does it just mean that like it's just for non-Jewish people? She goes, Yeah, that's true. It actually does just mean that you're not Jewish. Um, she goes, But she goes, Jews will lie to you and say that it's not derogatory, but it is derogatory. She goes, Most of the time I've heard it, it's in a derogatory manner. And she goes, the main reason, she goes, I call it derogatory, or it's like a it's like a racial slur for Jews. I was like, oh. She goes, it's like the N-word for Jews. I was like, oh, yeah, I said, I said that's what I've read. She goes, and the thing about it is, is she goes, a lot of Jews will tell you, they'll just lie to you and say, no, 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 it just means you're not Jewish. But the thing is, is if that was the case, then they would say it out loud. But when it's something that they, if it's something that someone says in secret, then it's probably a, a racial slur. I was like, yep, it's a racial slur. So it is a racial slur. And you will, every now and then, you'll find a Jewish person that will literally spit it out there. So with that being said, I like to come with receipts. Where I, I stumbled onto this video last night, and I'm going to share it with you guys. So you know what I'm telling you is the absolutely truth i'm not just uh, bsing you let's see if i can there we go so this video is uh the saluki and he's actually a jewish kid seems like a really good kid uh you know i guess i don't know how like religious he is he seems like he's pretty uh secular is secular non-jewish i believe he seems like he's just a pretty cool kid you know like casey neistat i, I have so many uh creators on youtube that are jewish or people that i i like uh, that you know i look up to so there is a there is a thing that you can't judge everybody for like what a few you know you know like what some of them believe but then you have to say like who 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 believes it who does and who doesn't so anyway this kid uh saluki he's got 34 almost thirty-five thousand subscribers and he lives in jerusalem he lives in israel and he goes to like this part of Israel and he's talking to these Jews. And this Jewish guy says he moved to um he moved to Israel when he was a child. So let's listen to what he has to say. Yeah. Okay, let's stop it right there. Okay, what does that say? It says, you're not like all the disgusting goyim, non-Jews. Goyim. You're not like the goyim. 
You are not like those disgusting Goyim. You're not like those pigs, those beasts, you know, those non-Jews. All right. Oops. Uh, let's continue here. All right, here we go. You don't speak English? Oh, uh, let's, uh, let me, uh, fix this because uh, I'm kind of covering up the caption that we find there. There we go. What is the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew? Alright, let's see what the let's see what his answer is. A non-Jew is like a beast. Like a beast. These are Jews from abroad. Whatever non-Jews want to do, they just do it. What do you think about? All right, so that um, you know, is basically what I was talking about. That explains it pretty much to a T. I have a whole bunch of videos that I've saved that I have saved that is right down that same alley. Uh, but this one's brand new. I just found it. So I thought I would use that one because it, you know, basically backs up basically what I was saying. Um, so we'll, we'll move on from that. So that was my first, um, that was my first interaction, I should say, uh, with what, you know, I found out. Uh, it was my first trip down the rabbit hole of finding out what goy meant and being called that. Basically, I felt like discriminated against, you know. That was my first time in my life I felt like somebody was like really pointing their finger at me, discriminating against me. I've had it happen several other, time, several other times throughout my life with people that I'm Hispanic. So people that are Hispanic. Uh, if you think people that are Hispanic don't get, uh, there's not prejudice and people, um, doing racist stuff to Hispanics, sorry, you're, you're mistaken. I had something similar along the line, similar happened to me from a little white old lady at white old lady in Mississippi that thought I was Hispanic. I'm not going to go down that trip, uh, cause it doesn't have anything to do with this, but just, just so you know, there's just, everybody has their prejudices i guess uh you know mine i hate criminals i hate freaking criminals if you murder somebody i think you should give up your life if you're caught dead-handed murdering somebody then you know that's it uh you know here in the united states so <clears throat> if you're committing a crime and you you know robbing somebody and you shoot them it's uh captured on cctv we can all see your face then you know you just forfeited your there's no jail for you there shouldn't be any jail for you. It should be immediate immediate execution. There's no second chance because a person you killed doesn't get a second chance. So anyway, moving on down the road. So I started keeping 
somewhat keeping track of this stuff. And then, you know, I was listening to uh, Art Bell on the radio back in those days. Some of you don't know who Art Bell was. If you don't, Google him. Uh, I was also uh, reading uh, William Cooper's book, The Pale, Behold the Pale Horse, uh, listening to William Cooper's radio show, and then later on, stepped into the picture was Alex Jones. So Alex Jones around 2000 was really starting to talk about these kind of things. Um, and a lot of people say he's been sold out and he's bought and owned by them, you know, them today. So I don't know about that. But anyway, he was one of the first people that was really talking about it. But um, I was trying to find out any information because he was talking about things and I was hearing rumblings about like how bad like the Jews in Israel would treat the Palestinians and how they were shooting kids, you know, like they'd be like a little 10 year old kid that would throw a rock at an at a Israeli tank and that all the Israelis, they had to serve in the military, I think when they turned 18 or something like that. And then these Israeli soldiers, these kids themselves were like shooting like little kids, like 10 year old Palestinian kids. They were shooting them and killing them or maiming them. And like there was this thing in the early 2000s, like 2003, four that we were hearing where they were saying that uh, that was earlier than that. It was like around 99, 2000. There was a story that came out that the IDF soldiers or the Israeli soldiers when a child, like these 10-year-old kids, would throw a rock at their tanks, they would shoot these kids in the genitals. And so there was a lot of these kids that were losing their genitals, um, which was just, I just didn't believe it. I was like, nah, what soldier is going to shoot a child? It didn't even make any sense to me. So I really didn't believe it until... Alex Jones came out with some video of it and he had seen video of it. And I can't remember if he took video of it, but he was the very first one that started talking about it. And I was like, Whoa, this is real. No way. There's no way. I have to see this myself. I wanted to see it myself. So hold on. I think I can pull up that video. Um, and play it for you guys. Let me see if I can full screen the browser again. And we'll get out of this and we'll go. I don't know if I can get to my Facebook page from this browser. Let's see if I can. Because I think I posted the video on my on my Facebook page. I actually posted it on my Instagram and a bunch of other stuff along these lines. I ended up deleting it because I'm like so caught up in all this stuff. It's very, uh, it's very time consuming and I just want to like get out of it it's just not healthy to be consumed with all this stuff but that's why i'm doing this podcast trying to get it all off my chest so i can move on and do other things oh let's go back uh let's listen to this rabbi let's see what he has to say really quick shall we one jew tonight (laughs) when they took their religion from the jews this foolish christianity that they invented they took let's rewind it can I not be happy when I see millions of Goyim bow down to one Jew tonight? We the Goyim. When they took their religion from the Jews, this foolish Christianity that they invented, they took some things from Judaism and developed lots of nonsense on top of it. But even their religion came from the Jews. 
Even their Messiah is a Jew. That was kicked out of Yeshiva. I'm still a Jew. And Christmas Eve. Tonight it's becoming Yoshke's birthday. Even though it's total nonsense because they started Christmas 300 years after Christianity started. They didn't have Christmas. They didn't have New Year's Eve. They saw they don't have any other days after 300 years. They made up two events. Nothing to do with him. But they don't even know it. They think it's really his birthday or whatever. He said to him, tonight is my happiest night of the year. Rabbi Berkowitz said to the Goy. Said to the Goy. He said, why? He said, it's our holiday. It's a Christian holiday. Why is your happiest night of your year? He said, how can I not be happy when I see millions of Goyim bow down to one Jew tonight? And there you go. You mumbled something. There you go. So, uh, let's see what happened there. I just threw us I'd out of my happy page. When I see millions of goyim bow down to one Jew tonight. All right, so let's uh, move on down here, see if I can find the video of Alex Jones. Here we go. Let's see if I can blow this up a little. All hyped up and psychotic. But Israel's going to get us nuked, always backing them up like this. Israel calls the Palestinians goyim or cattle or dogs or subhuman. They keep them on concentration camps. I got video of them taking Palestinian women's tomatoes they grow and breaking their water containers and stealing. That, that's why you have this crap. And our children are going to die. We're going to get nuked because of this. Iran's got the nukes now. Syria. We're going to have nuclear war. Because Israel likes to go around bombing everybody. I'm sorry. It's just the facts. And Israel absolutely is beside itself with joy right now. They are talking about how they're going to blow everything up, how they're going to attack everybody, and guess who's going to get bombed because of it? I have been supportive of Israel for many years. When I found out what they do, shooting little Palestinian children in the genitalia and laughing, it's on video. Little Palestinian, little 10-year-olds walk around throwing rocks at tanks. The guy sits off a half mile away and blows their testicles off. They call them goyim. They call them dogs. They call the Arabs cattle. And in the Arab, corrupt Arab governments that are in league with this government, it's really a sick Hegelian dialectic, order out of chaos. Bringing the world crises, bringing them terrorism, so we'll accept a highly dictatorial police state regime. It's happening. All right, so you get to uh, you get to see a good shot of there of uh, exactly what I was talking about with Alex. So that'll probably get this video canceled. Uh, talking about him and featuring him in the video, but anyway, it gives you a good idea of like what I was talking about. So anyway, I don't know if you paid attention to that video. If you did, you would notice that it says on the screen that video was Alex Jones, 09 of 12, 2001. So if you saw the smoke in the background, that was actually a live shot. It actually says it on the screen, live shot. So that smoke in the background is actually the World Trade Center. This was the day after 9-11, and it's showing the World Trade Center still on fire on 9-12 of 2001 and Alex is talking about uh, you know all of the bullying stuff that Israel is doing and shooting you know little kids in the genitalia and stuff like that and that they were going to get us nuked because they were going around bombing everybody 
So, you know, it leads back into what I exactly what I was saying. And so when these things were coming out, I was still craving knowledge, looking for somebody else that would go to Gaza because I wanted to see for myself. I mean, I wanted to go myself, but, you know, I kind of looked into it and they're like, nah, you won't be, you won't even, you know, if you're not Jewish or Palestinian, you won't even be able to get over there in there. I was like, huh, you know, and plus I was married with a wife and kids. So two kids at that time. So there wasn't a lot I could do, but I was always scrounging for information. And that is when I got wind. And I don't even remember how I got wind of um, Rachel Corey, who was going to be traveling to um, Gaza. And she was a peace activist and she was going to be traveling to Gaza and documenting her trip. So I don't know how, I don't remember exactly how I got the information of, uh, that she was going to be going to Israel. I just remember being excited because she was talking about, she was going to be able to, she was going to go she was going to be able to document and show what was really going on in Gaza because there was a lot of us that still didn't believe, you know what I mean? We're like that the stuff that we're hearing is like the stuff that happened to the Jews from when they were like being persecuted by the Germans, by Nazi Germany. So why would they be doing that to someone else? That doesn't make sense. So a lot of us really didn't believe it. And I was one of those that was on the fence, even though I knew that they had called me, that I'd been called Goy. I still wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I really still didn't believe all the things, kind of the things that I was hearing. I figured there was probably some of it maybe true because, you know, there's the old adage that there's always like a, you know, some sliver of truth to what you hear. So I kind of felt like maybe some of it was true, but, you know, I just was still on the fence. But I wanted to know. I wanted to know. And in steps, um, in steps Rachel Corey, because she was a peace activist and she was going to be traveling to, she was going to be traveling to Israel and, or to the Gaza Strip. So we were going to be able to get it. We were going to be able to see like what was really happening. She was going to show us what was really happening. And I remember the first video that she posted, like she was talking about, like my heart sunk. As soon as she started, she started talking about, um, well, I, I found, I think I found the video. Let's see exactly what she was talking about. Um, so I think this one right here was the video or maybe this one. I watched this one. This one is from 17 years ago. Look, it's been on YouTube. It was uploaded 17 years ago. Activist videos. Let's see if it's this one. It's four minutes. This one's 31 seconds. I don't know exactly what this one says. I've, I saw this one before. Let's see what this one says. I've been here for about a month and a half now. And this is definitely the most difficult situation that I've ever seen. Um... In the time that I've been here, um, children have been shot and killed. Um, on the 30th of January, the Israeli military bulldozed the two largest water wells, um, destroying over 
over half of Rafa's water supply. Um, every few days, if not every day, houses are, are demolished here. Um, people are economically devastated because of the closure of the borders into Egypt and the extreme control of the Gazan economy by Israel. Um, I saw it. I came to, um, to look at the aftermath of a place where 25 greenhouses had been demolished on the other side of Rafa, um, destroying the livelihoods of about 300 people. Uh, and that had taken place while they rounded up about 150 men, uh, held them under a sniper tower, and, and shot around them to contain the men, the farmers in the area. Um, so I feel like what I'm witnessing here is a very systematic um, destruction of people's ability to survive. Um, and that is incredibly horrifying. It's incredibly horrifying. Sometimes um, it takes a while for it to set in what is happening here. Um, because I think many of the people here they try to maintain what they can of their lives. And I think, I don't know, maybe it has to do with protecting their children, that they try to be happy, um, joke with their children. So sometimes it takes um, it takes time to, to, it's hard to hold in your mind, you know, the, the complete reality of what's happening here. Sometimes I'm sitting down to, dinner with people and I just realized that um, that there is a massive military machine surrounding them and trying to kill these people that I'm having dinner with, these families that I'm sitting down to, to eat with and who are being very generous and kind to me and their children here who are incredibly threatened, um, living lives that no child ever should have to live um, and and so it I feel a lot of horror really I feel a lot of horror about the situation the current Israeli government I don't have a great deal of, of faith that that they're gonna listen to any message from me um, I think it has become clear that their, this government does not care about the safety of its own people and doesn't care at all about the lives of Palestinian people. Um, I think it's, a, it's ridiculous that my government supports this government and referred to Ariel Sharon as a man of peace. Um, it's clear to me, being here, that Ariel Sharon is invested in perpetuating a cycle, well, perpetuating violence. Um, I think calling it a, a cycle of violence disregards the imbalance of power in this situation, that people's lives here are almost completely controlled by the Israeli government. And it's amazing that people are able to hold on to their humanity as much as they have. So anyway, that is uh, that was Rachel Corey. And you have, to realize, to, you have to realize I've that those videos were from... 2003 uh, March 14th 2003 is that to be the exact date is when that video was taken so for people that think this thing with uh, you know that just happened with Hamas 
who Israel recreated, by the way. They've admitted it. They funded them. They helped create them because they were uh, trying to they were trying to spoon feed and grow a faction that didn't get along with uh, Arafat and the PLO. So they wanted to create Hamas because they thought those two would fight against each other, and then Israel could just sit over there and chill. That kind of backfired on them, didn't it? Hey, Israel, how's that working? How's that working out for you? Uh, that's why they say it's their 9-11. You know what I mean? That's why they're saying it's their, you know, this just happened to them is their 9-11. But anyway, that was Rachel Corey 20 years ago. So it's not like this whole thing has just, you know, just erupted. It's something that's been going on. They've been treating the Palestinians like dogs because they're going, remember, they're going. They've been treating them like beasts and like dogs for, you know, as long as they've been able to. As long as they've been able to corral them up and treat them like that. And don't kid yourself, brother. They'd do the same to me and you in a heartbeat if they could. But they need us, so they manipulate and they lie. And uh, they manipulate our government. And they lie so they can uh, continue to have our support. And because there's so many people that are Zionist Jews living in this country that are very white and pale, people... Uh, you know, in Redneckville, let's just take Redneckville, you know, somewhere, you know, in the deep south, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, you know, they look at people that are Jewish and they think, oh, they're just like we are. They're the same type people, uh, you know, and, you know, and then the the Muslims, the dirty Muslims, you know, the towel heads, the camel jockeys, you know, they're. Ugh. So that's kind of the way uh, you get your everyday average and evangelical, evangelical, oh, I can say it again, evangelical Christian uh, siding with Israel, letting it, you know, backing Israel, doing whatever Israel does, which you can see from this video with Rachel Corey, uh, you know, exactly how they were treating, you know, the Palestinians 20 years ago. And if you think that's changed at all, it hasn't, not at all. They still treat them like dirt. It's still the exact same exact same they still treat them like dirt like animals like beasts like dogs they got to be trained remember as goy we got to stick together because we dogs we got to be trained anyway so i was keeping up with rachel Corey uh in her quest to shed some light on what was going on in gaza and I was eating it up, you know, I was waiting for her. She wasn't, she was not able to, because there was internet like was non-existent over there. So it was not like she was able to just uh, record a video like you can now and upload it to YouTube every day. So we got that video that you just, that I just showed you guys. And then we didn't get anything else for a while. And then I think she updated one more time, maybe, um, because that was March 3rd. So maybe she didn't. Maybe that was her last video. Because the next thing that we heard, or the next thing, oh, she there was another video. So the other the next video was a video of her. So there she wasn't the only one. There was a few of these peace activists that had left the United States and had went to Gaza because they had heard that the Israelis was bold literally forcing Palestinians out of their homes and then bulldozing their homes down. To make room for Jewish settlers. And I literally couldn't believe this was true. Like how in modern society is anybody backing this and letting this happen? It just didn't make any sense to me. Even at, even back then. 
So the next video that we get is, and the next word we get is, uh, I, there's a thing that comes across in like a news bulletin that Rachel Corey is killed. Uh, it, there's a horrible accident and Rachel Corey was killed in Gaza. What? No way. What? No way. What? I remember telling my wife, you remember the girl I, I went in telling my wife, because my wife didn't, she was oblivious to all of this stuff. But I went in telling my wife, you know the girl that I've been watching that I told you that's in Gaza and she's telling all the terrible things that's happening to the Palestinians? She's dead. She died. Something happened to her. So now I'm freaking out. I'm trying to like, trying to find out like what happened. I'm trying to, you know, and like, you have to realize the internet was very rudimentary at these times. You just couldn't Google something and get answers. It was like very slow. Like information was very slow. But what did happen was probably a week or two weeks after she died, someone was able to, she was staying with a family that were pharmacists or a doctor or something. I don't remember the exact specifics, but her and the other peace activists was out trying to stop this Israeli bulldozer from bulldozing this pharmacist's house. I believe it's the house she was staying in. Don't, I'm, 20 years ago. So I'm just telling you somewhat what the way I remember it and don't, it may not be 100% factual. But the thing that I do remember is that we actually got a video, which you cannot find today. I've looked, I've searched because I want to save it. If anybody finds it, please email me at ravholly at gmail.com because I want this video. <coughs> but there was a video of Rachel confronting this Israeli bulldozer that was trying to bulldoze this pharmacist's house. And I think it's the house that she was staying in. So they were trying to bulldoze the, the house that she was staying in. One thing that I forgot to mention is the Israeli government, the Israeli soldiers, the IDF, IDF soldiers were furious. They were furious at these American activists that were over there trying to protect these Palestinian houses. They were furious. So anyway, and Rachel had kind of mentioned that, like, you know, she was like a little bit leery of them because even though she was American, she didn't, they seemed like kind of low, like you see, seemed kind of like a loaded gun, you know, and I mean, playing with a loaded gun, messing, you know, trying to save these people's homes. Anyway, I got, I got to see the video of, I got to see the video of this Israeli tank, armored tank, I mean, not tank, armored bulldozer. The whole cab is encased in steel. So that was their excuse. But Rachel goes out there and she's waving her hands. Hey, 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 no, 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 I'm American. I'm American. Please, please, please don't, 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 don't run over this house. Don't run over this house. And the Israeli government, you know, they did a whole inquiry about how, what a, what a terrible accident it was. Well, this Israeli bulldozer driver opens up the door of this of this tank of this uh bulldozer he opens the door and he looks at her and he's telling her in hebrew get away get away go away go away get get out of the way get out of the way and she's like no no you can't run over these people's houses this is where i'm staying you can't you can't you can't and then he slams the door backs the bulldozer up that's where the video cuts and then you just got to see still images of what actually happened so what actually happened was Rachel turned to run away as he pushed forward 
and she fell or she went down to her knees or something. You could just see the still pictures. Long story short, he ran over and killed her. He murdered her. This was no accident. He murdered her because when he was yelling at her to get out of the way, he wasn't yelling at her like, hey, lady, hey, crazy lady. Hey, could you move crazy lady? Because I'm going to run over this house whether you're there or not, crazy lady. No, he was looking at her like she was a piece of get out of the way. Get out of the way. You must move. Get out of the way. Yeah. So anyway, I'm thinking to myself, these mother just murdered an American, an American girl, an unarmed American girl, a pretty blue-eyed blonde girl. I actually don't know if her eyes were blue, but she was a pretty uh, young American. So immediately my mind flashed to Panama because um, during George Bush Sr.'s term, Panama... There had been a couple of Americans. I, don't quote me on this. I don't remember. It's been years and years ago. I'm just giving you somewhat of what I remember. But a couple of Americans or American soldiers or something was murdered in Panama. And our response to that was to send 20,000 troops into Panama and literally wiped out like five blocks. And we ended up getting Manuel Noriega. But there's estimates that we killed like 20,000 people or something like that as well. They'll say that it was like 1,200. But there's there's been there's been record. I mean, there's been reports that we killed like 20,000 people because a couple of American citizens or a couple of American soldiers got killed in Panama. Uh, we just went in there and like just there's a documentary about it. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, you could find it. It's called the Panama something. But anyway, it talks all about what we did and all the war crimes. We ended up putting these people in like hangers and that lost their homes. And it's a whole, it was a whole mess. But we did that because, you know, a couple of Americans got killed. So I'm thinking to myself, ooh, Israel, you done up. We're going to come after you too now. We're going to, you're going to have to answer for this. No, nah, no, nah, this is Israel we're talking about. Israel can do what they want to do because they've infiltrated our government and basically manipulate anything for their side. So, you know, there was an inquiry, you know, you would see uh, Rachel's parents, uh, they would come on TV and they would give interviews saying that they want, you know, justice. They want to find out exactly what happened and all of these things. And when it was all said and done, uh, you know, Israeli investigated themselves. You know, it's kind of like when the cops kill somebody, you know, and then they investigate themselves and, you know, they find out that the officers did everything they were supposed to do perfectly right. You know, there was no uh, malfeasance or no wrongdoing there. And that's what Israel said, you know, it's just, a, well, it's just an accident. They didn't see her, you know, driving a big tank with, you know, I mean, a big uh, bulldozer that's enclosed with armor. Couldn't see her, which was a lie. It was 100% a lie. And uh, that's what they do. They lie, uh, you know. And if we if we want to uh, look at another instance of Israel murdering Americans and lying about it, we can bounce right over to. But let me say really quick. So that's what set me off on the warpath was when they killed, when they murdered Rachel Corey. So I've been watching them with a with a magnifying glass ever since I watch all the stuff they do, all the stuff they get away with. And 
Rachel Corey in 2003 wasn't the first time they had murdered Americans and got away with it. So if you Google, if you Google um, the day Israel attacked America, this documentary right here will come up. And it's 48 minutes. It's almost an hour. If you haven't ever seen it. 1967. The Six-Day War in the Middle East between Israel, Egypt, Jordan, and... So this happened in 1967. And this is a great documentary right here to watch. Now, one of the problems with documentaries, when you're watching them, uh, if, you know, if it's about Israel or if it's about Palestine... One of the problems is it's a lot of most of them, nine out of 10 of them are just propaganda. It's all just propaganda. If you if you look on uh, if you look on YouTube and you Google or I mean, if you go to YouTube and then you search for the history of Israel, you're going to get page after page after page of these little documentaries that are all produced. If you dig into the little account that produced them, they're all produced by Israel to make Israel look good. If there's anything that's critical of Israel, it gets pushed way to the back. So if you want to find a documentary that tells you the truth with a non-biased, you know, it's not produced by Palestine, it's not produced by Israel, you really got to dig for it. Because once you get past all of the Israeli ones, the ones that Israel has done, then you'll start running into ones produced by Al Jazeera and people that are pro-Palestine, which gives you the other propaganda on the other side. So to find one that's unbiased, you really got to dig for them. But there are a few on there. But you really got to know what you're looking for and what's being said in the documentaries when you start them. Uh, so there's one about uh, how, Zion, how Zionist Jews uh, came to Palestine. There's one like that that I actually watched and it's very, it's not derogatory. It's just, it just gives you the facts and it gives like statements from everybody of that time, which is so on point. So anyway, uh, the day Israel attacked America was the day that Israel attacked the USS Liberty and killed 34 American servicemen. They literally uh, attacked an American ship, an American. It was a spy ship, but it was in international waters and it was in Egyptian waters. It wasn't even in Israeli waters. It was in Egyptian waters when Israel attacked it. And what did they do? They make up a story that, oh, they didn't know. You know, they lie. They lie, lie, lie. They're, they're master liars. They just deny, deny, deny. They just lie. Well, why did they just lie? Well, they just lie because remember, we're goyim. We're going. They're the chosen people, so they can just lie. They just lie to us. You know what I mean? And the sad part about it is when they lie, nine out of 10 Americans just soak it right up. Oh, okay. That explains it. They didn't mean to, you know, I don't know how many Americans I've talked to, uh, I don't know how many Americans I've talked to about the USS Liberty and, uh, you know, what Israel did, murdering 34 American servicemen. The only other country that's ever attacked the United States uh, via air, their military, was Japan. And how did that work out for Japan? I, if I remember correctly, we dropped two nuclear bombs on them, if I remember right. Well, Israel did the same thing in 67. So what happened there? Nothing. They, wiped, they swept it right under the rug. LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, and our government swept it right under the rug so it wouldn't be a national incident. Even though we know, because there's audio tape, that they knew it was an American vessel and they attacked it anyway and killed 34 servicemen. 
And then our government, because there was so many Zionists in our government, basically just whitewashed it and made it all go away, which is such a disservice to those servicemen that died on the USS Liberty, to, to those American military men that died on the USS Liberty. So when Hamas flies little hang gliders over their fence and goes on a killing spree. You ever heard of karma? You ever heard of karma? Karma's a and karma will come back to get you eventually. When you're a complete piece of karma's going to come back to you. I totally believe that. That's why in my life, I try to live my life to try not to be too, you know, I try not to be mean spirited and stuff because if you're mean spirited, it's going to come back to get you. If you do stuff that you know is evil or is wrong that hurts somebody intentionally, that's what karma is. And I absolutely believe karma is going to come back and you're going to pay that debt at some point. And Israel has been doing these kind of this kind of evil for 75 years before before 75 years. In 1920, there was less than 8% of Jews in Palestine. Yes, there's always been Jews. They'll say that. That's their big, you know, that's their big talking point. Oh, there's always been Jews. It's our holy land. Yeah, there was. There really was. There was but it was less than 8%. So there was like a million or 700, 800,000 Arabs at that time. And like, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 Jews or something like that. There was a tiny little minority until Britain started importing them into Palestine. And it's all very, it's not like it's secret. You can find these documentaries that talk about this and how it actually really happened. But evangelical Christians, they say, oh, well, you know, they were run out of their holy land way back and way back. And for everything to, you know, for prophecy to happen, you know, they've got to be able to return home and all of this nonsense, which literally lets them, Israel, get away with murder. That's literally what that does. And Americans, especially evangelical Christians, just turn a blind eye to it, which That's enough, you know, I could, I could get up on my soapbox and rant about that for hours and hours, but so we've hit an hour and a half here and I'm trying, I wanted to keep this thing to an hour. Um, so as you can see, I am, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff and, um, you know, I'm not condemning all Jewish people, but that's what they do because that's their little, uh, that is their little uh, MO. That's how they do things. So, you know, like if uh, if you ever want to know if something might be of their agenda, look at their little uh, MO on how it works. Because if you criticize Israel in any way, oh, you're an anti-Semite. Oh, you're a Nazi. You're an anti-Semite. Oh, if you don't like uh, if you don't like uh, trans people competing against, uh, you know, if you don't like trans women, a.k.a. men, competing against uh, biological women and beating the dog sh out of them in MMA, oh, then you're a transphobe. You're a transphobe. Oh, you're a homophobe. Oh, you're a, a, you're a Trumpster. Oh, you're, yeah, anything along those lines, you know it ties right into that same demographic. It's very simple. So to watch conservatives 
to watch conservatives jumping up and down about, you know, what happened uh, over there just is mind boggling. The world is literally backwards right now for the simple fact is you have like, um, <laughs> everything is happening like completely like it's like ass backwards because you have like, um, you have these crazy leftist Harvard kids or college kids, and they are literally up in arms for Palestine, which I am myself. You know what I'm saying? But it's because I'm, I've been keeping up with this shit for 20 years, right? But these college kids, they're all in on Palestine or in for Palestine. And Palestine is way, way, way more conservative. You know what I mean? Like uh, gay, you know, the whole gay thing is pretty frowned upon. Uh, they're very religious. The Christians, the Palestinian Christians are a lot of them are in Gaza or in Palestine. Um uh, you know, it's just way more conservative. So the funny thing is you have all of these, you know, Marxist type, socialist type college kids like chanting for Palestine. It's just kind of it's 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 kind of amusing. And then on the flip side of that, you have all these conservatives that are going ape over Israel when Israel is full of all of the demographic of Democrats that conservatives can't stand if you go through you know what i mean you can go through like uh sean penn jewish joy behar from the view jewish uh you know you could just go one after another you know what i mean uh chelsea handler jewish uh you know what i mean these crazy liberals and that is what you have a demographic of a huge demographic of in israel as a matter of fact the thing i'd been keeping up with was the simple fact that in Israel, the country is just like, was just like the United States was very divided. There was people that were literally predicting the collapse of Israel because of, uh, of, you know, what was going on over there politically, because they just like the United States have a conservative de demographic and a very uh, liberal demographic. And Netanyahu was very close to being ousted or being voted out or being kicked out. And then all of a sudden, like Hamas is a great savior, you know, almost a thousand Jewish people died, but now all the Jewish people are, are one, you know, just like America was when 9-11 happened. They're all together. They're all backing uh, Netanyahu. You know, everybody's put their differences aside and, you know, just, you guys can hear my dog drinking water. I guess he's thirsty. Yeah, they're, um, I don't know if you guys can hear him or not. But anyway, they're they're all, you know, they're all one now, which is understandable. You know, they were all attacked as one country, so I understand it. But um, you know, it's 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 sad what happened to a lot of innocent people that were killed and gunned down in their homes and that kind of thing, but you know, it's kind of like I uh I just look at it like, you know, I mean, the same thing happened with Native Americans in this country. But like if you build on somebody else's land, if you if you physically go in and you drag people out of their homes and then you let your people move in, don't be surprised at some point if they come back and kill your. You know what I mean? You can't be surprised about it. And then the thing that that makes me the most irate is. uh you know, people acting like Israel is just this little, this little, Israel is just this little, uh, just this little angel. 
You know, Israel's never done anything. Israel's never done anything to anybody. Israel's just so nice about everything. They never done anything bad to anybody. You know, the Palestinians are just over there. They just don't like them because, you know, they're Jewish. You know what I mean? They just want to wipe out all the Jews. Yeah. If you really want to find out the truth, dig into it deep. Now, you got to be careful. I mean, you got to be quick because, like I said, it's so weird how all of these videos and they get uploaded to YouTube, they don't last. They get wiped off YouTube. It's very hard to find stuff that shows Israel not in a, in a positive light. There's a lot of stuff out there. You'll find it if you dig for it. But it's just so funny to me how they remove all this stuff from the Internet. Why is that? Why can't you find the Rachel Corey video when she was trying to wave the bulldozer down or the, yeah, trying to wave the bulldozer down? Why is that video gone from the Internet? Where is it? I mean, it didn't show graphic her getting run over. It just showed her confronting the bulldozer. Now, why is that gone? Why can't we find that from the Internet when we can find the other video of her from March 3rd, 2003, talking about the four minute video that she gave an interview? We can find that. Why can't we find the bulldozer video? The things that make you go, hmm, right? There's a reason that stuff is gone from the Internet, because it makes Israel look bad. And Israel has enough influence that they can have these things removed. And that's exactly what they do. And then they lie and then they just lie about it. Oh, she was out there in a war zone. She's out there. In a, poor girl. She shouldn't have been there in a war zone. It wasn't really a war zone. It was just, uh, you know, Israeli bulldozers, armored bulldozers, bulldoze, bulldozing down people's houses so they could build set, settlements on, or settlers could move in. They could build their set, settlements on top of where the Palestinians lived. That's all it was. It wasn't really a war zone, per se. I mean, the whole area has been a war zone, but it wasn't like they were, you know, Two factions of people shooting at each other. It was literally just Israelis bulldozing down Palestinian people's houses and kicking them out of their houses where Rachel was murdered by an Israeli bulldozer. So you can go that you can, you know, you can look at any of it and see where it leads back to. And it all leads back to. Uh, it all leads back to war crimes. That's where it all leads back to. And in closing, I want to really quick jump over to um, first there was Cor the, first there was Rachel Corey, and then there was Abby Martin. So I don't know if you heard of Abby Martin. I've been following her career for years. I actually used to talk to her, Abby. If you see this, I don't know if you remember me. I used to talk to you some. Uh, we used to talk about. Palestine uh, some and I used to ask her some questions because she went over there just like Rachel Corey did and you know I remember telling her be careful girl because they will kill you if you're trying to expose what they're doing over there they've done it before with Rachel Corey and they will do it to you as well but she was lucky enough to be able to go over there and she did a whole documentary and um, I do have the documentary it is on my it's on my um, it's on my Facebook page. I loaded it to my Facebook page, and I will. And and just for the record, uh, Rachel Corey, say her name. I want you guys to know who she is. Uh, Google her, read up about her. I don't want her forgotten because she sacrificed her life. 
So Rachel Corey, 1979 to 2003. She was killed in March, I believe it was like March 17th, 2003, which I, or 16th, which is right around my oldest son's birthday, who passed away as well. But this is the this is the documentary right here, and it's called uh, Gaza Fights for Freedom. And she literally, um, Abby did this documentary in 2019. So if you want a good idea of like what's really going on over there, go watch this documentary. I'm going to put a blog together on my Substack with all of these, with all of these documentaries that I've touched on. And, uh, so you'll be able to go through my Substack and save my Substack post on this. And you will be able to, um, watch them at your own time and, uh, be able to get in a good idea of like what's really going on. So you can, uh, educate yourself, you know what I mean? So you actually really know what's going on as well. And so you can get an idea of like what's the actual truth and not just be lied to. Because what you have is like, you know, you have a lot of liars like Ben Shapiro, you know, there's just a lot of them, you know what I mean? Like they act like Israel's never done anything wrong. Oh, they're just so surprised. Like how did this happen to Israel? You know, they're just such the little angels. They've never done anything. So like how could Hamas, you know, Watch Abby Martin's uh, documentary. Basically what it shows is that they're just full of <laughs> They're literally just, they're liars. They're liars. They are liars. They lie. They can't, they can't help but lying. They're liars. You know, and they'll call you anti-Semitic for calling them out or whatever. And I don't give up <laughs> because they're liars. They just lie. You know what I mean? Like Ben Shapiro, he's getting on there and I understand everybody's passionate about what happened and stuff, but you know, they won't take accountability for anything that they do because they believe it's their chosen right to do it. They believe they should be able to exploit people. They should be able to treat people like beasts. Remember, because we're going, we're taught, they're taught that we're goyim. You know what I mean? They're, uh, you know, they're above us. We are, uh, we are beasts. We're dogs. We got to be trained. Remember? You know, so if they kill us or whatever, you know. Oh, and if you want to, if you want to trigger an Israeli Jew, wear a cross in Israel. Yeah, that's the best. Can way you to please trigger. stop? This is a video on my. Uh, you can't see it. It's a video I posted on my. Uh, it's a video I posted on my uh, Facebook page of a German, actually a German bishop, uh, like a, like a bishop or a priest in uh, in Israel. And there's an IDF guard right here, and she's telling him that he can go, but he has to remove his cross because it's disrespectful to Judaism for him to have a cross on. Unbelievable. And these people are running all over the United States with their synagogues and their private Jew Jewish schools and you name it. You know what I'm saying? But you go over there, and once you find out, what you actually really find out when you delve into it is they don't just hate Muslims. They hate Christians, too. It's just Christians are too stupid to realize it. But if you ever delve deep, you'll find your answers. You just got to delve deep. So anyway, I'm going to be putting the USS Liberty documentary. I will put Abby Martin's links to Abby Martin's documentary. Uh, I'll try to hit on anything in my Substack that I've talked about in this podcast. Um, I appreciate you guys keeping up with my soapbox rant. Um, you know, probably get me canceled, but I really don't give a because I've already been canceled. So, uh, truth is more important to me. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta stand in your truth and you gotta tell the truth. And I felt like I needed to do this podcast.
because I was seeing a lot of injustice and a lot of uh, misinformation and a lot of people that's just confused. There's a lot of people in the United States that just think Israel has never done anything, that they're just over there, you know, just being nice little, you know, nice little angels living their lives, you know, and then all of a sudden these evil Hamas, uh, you know, attacked them, which Hamas, they created that. Google it. How Israel created Hamas. Go down that rabbit hole. That's another rabbit hole for you to go down. Last but not least, on my YouTube channel, I actually have a video that you guys can watch. Oop. It's right here. It's called uh, it's called Wake Up America. It's right here. It's only got 79 views, but it actually talks about some very insane stuff about how Israel, there was like five Mossad there was five Israeli Mossad agents set up filming with a video camera the morning the World Trade Center was hit by the planes. So they knew it was going to happen. They went on Israeli TV and admitted that they were sent there just to document the event, which means they knew about it. So watch that. Uh, watch that video, too. It's only a little over 15 minutes. It's 16 minutes and 24 seconds. So it's not that long. Anyway, so, Yeah. I did this I did this I did this video because I want to get past all this stuff. I just directed a music video like a week ago and I was having a hard time focusing on what I needed to be focused on because I was so like torn up on this stuff. And I want to try to move past it. I don't want to get hooked on talking about this stuff. I just wanted to put this out there, put it all out there so everybody knows why I why I stand where I do. And I'm not talking, I'm not trying to take Hamas's side and say they're a bunch of little angels either, because they're not. They're just as evil as everything else. You know what I mean? Uh, you could probably equate them with ISIS. You know what I mean? But like I said, when you put a dog in a cage, if you know, because we're beasts, remember? If you put a beast in a cage and you walk by that cage every day and you stick a, po a stick in there and you poke the dog and you do that for 75 years, 10 years, don't be surprised if the dog gets out and mauls you, right? And with that said, that's going to do it for this episode of the American Nomad Podcast. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, if you have any comments or I get a lot of DMs, people want to DM me stuff uh, because they're too uh, afraid to say stuff themselves. So I totally understand that. Uh, my advice on that is stay, stay incognito, man. I have I have friends of mine that are actually Palestinian and they're Arab, you know, they, but they live here in the United States and they won't even come out and say anything because they're too terrified to lose their jobs or get canceled or whatever. You know what I mean? So I understand it. And my advice to you is just don't, you know, don't do what I do, because this is not this is not good for your career. It's not good for, you know, it's not good for, you know, making a living or, you know, you, you just you it's easy to get canceled. You know, everybody's going to take what you say and twist it and try to manipulate it and make you, uh, into whatever they want to make you and try to, uh, ruin your life or ruin whatever, you know what I mean? But with me, I'm going to stand in my truth and I'm just going to say what I believe is the truth. And, uh, I try to come, I try to come with receipts and there's a lot of other things I could go into. Uh, but I just wanted to touch on, uh, where I'm at. And uh, I want to dedicate this podcast to Rachel Corey. Say her name. I don't want to forget her. The 34 servicemen that were murdered, um, that were slaughtered by Israel 
uh, on the USS Liberty, say their names, find out who they were, look into that incident, but don't let them lie to you. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie because the lie is that it was an accident that Israel didn't know it was going didn't know that that was an American ship. And that is a damn lie. It's a lie. hundred percent lie. Because like I said, you know, they're, they're, they're like the, they're like the, the boyfriend that the girlfriend walks in and he's got the girl up on the counter going at her. And then, uh, you know, and then he's like, I didn't cheat on you. It wasn't me. Oh, that wasn't me. You know, the girl runs out. He's like, I, I, I wouldn't shoot. I wasn't cheating. No, that wasn't me. You know, he gets caught red handed and he'll just stand there and lie to you. No, no, no. That wasn't me, honey. No, no, no. I don't know what you thought you saw. That wasn't me. That's that's who they are. Anyway, that is going to do it for this episode of the Nomad New, the American Nomad podcast. Uh, again, I appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, keep looking up because that's where it all is. Thank you for listening to the American Nomad podcast. Until next time, keep looking up because that's where it all is.